With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Drivers! Start your engines! Hit the pace car! What for? Because you hit every other damn thing out there, I want you to be perfect! When I'm driving, I got a guy on the radio who talks to me. It's him. He talks to me. Hey, race fans. Welcome to the Hoobazoo Radio Network, and welcome to Drafting the Circuits. My name is Frank Sandrowski. I'll be your host for the next hour as we go over everything in racing. And tonight is our season-ender show of 2020. I realize there's a Formula One race or two uh, that still need to occur, mm. or three. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, we are we are finishing up the season here, so uh, we can take our winter break, enjoy the holidays with our families. But uh, joining me in the studio, I've got... Luis Torres, Richard Uden, Seth Eggert. Guys, how we doing? Doing good. good. Thank you. Slept pretty good for once. Slept yeah, I, I, was, <laughs> I, I, I read all about that on your on your social media, how well you slept last night. So that's uh, that's certainly newsworthy. Hey, but <laughs> take it from me. Get COVID and you'll sleep like a baby. Mm, there you go. So let's uh, let's not take your advice and get COVID. But uh, yeah, before yeah, before we get into our before we get into our season wrap up, what I want to do there's a couple of uh, just news items we need to touch on really quickly. Um, now last week we had a guest on the show, uh, Mark Dill, and we uh, utilized the whole hour speaking with Mark. And if you hadn't had a chance to listen to that show from last week, uh, Mark was a fascinating individual, and it's a, a very very informative show, especially if you're interested in the history of racing. But what, what we neglected to talk about was the uh, Grand Prix in Turkey, and because our, this show is going to air on Thanksgiving weekend, we might as well talk about Turkey, um, where Lewis Hamilton clinched the championship. But it wasn't a really easy uh, run for Lewis, Lewis Hamilton there. He was uh, really um, had his uh, skills on display. So, Richard, let's, uh, let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah, back to Istanbul for the first time in, what, eight years, I think it was. And uh, the infamous Turn 8, uh, obviously the... The amount of downforce these cars generate now, um, you know, doesn't make turn eight quite as treacherous as it used to be. But uh, because Turkey had been uh, the, the track there had been basically used as a, a glorified parking lot for the last few years, the, the track surface wasn't in great condition. So they decided to repave it as, as they would have had to do, um, you know, literally two months ago, if not more recent. And, uh, you know, a, a new track surface sometimes is just, is very very slick because they they mix lots of oils and chemicals in with the the asphalt and uh, it, I mean it was like Bambi on ice on Friday watching them practice it was they were, you know spinning all over the place and everybody thought cool hey, let's hope the track rubbers in by the weekend yeah that didn't work out very well did it um, so come uh, come Saturday for qualifying it was raining 
and uh, you know that made uh, you know that, that shuffled the pack up a little bit there, and and and, and Lance Stroll, um, you know, managed to put it on pole position uh, with uh, I believe um, from what I can remember, Sergio Perez was was P two there or P three was it P two P three certainly up at the front there. From good Y on Q three, that's for sure. Yeah. Okay. So maybe yeah, I know Verstappen was up there. I, th- I think maybe Verstappen was P two and Sainz was P three. Um, oh, sorry, Perez was P three. Anyway. You know, they shocked to see the the racing points up there, and the and the Mercedes really struggled back down in the lower end of the top ten there. Uh, and, and come race day, it was raining again, and um, Valtteri Bottas had so many spins, it was like he was auditioning for uh, Dancing with the Stars in the next uh, next season of that, and he was all over the place. I think he finished thirteenth, like a lap down or something. And for the first half of the race, Lewis Hamilton was nowhere, and Lance Stroll and uh, Sergio Perez seemed to, uh, you know, control the race pretty much from front there, and uh, they, they they had an early pit stop to go off to get off the um, wet tire onto the intermediates, and those intermediates just lasted. You know, they're so durable these Pirelli intermediates, and um, you know the race went away from Sergio uh, from Lance Stroll really. He was really struggling. Now they say they found uh, damage to the. Um, front wing uh, during the, the first pit stop. But I found that very strange because he was relatively quick on the wet tyre and as soon as he goes to the intermediate, this damage seems to occur. I, I just don't think the car was set up particularly well for the intermediate tyres or Lance just couldn't get those intermediate tyres switched on and, and he really did drop. First of all, he dropped into the clutches of his teammate and of course you know, his teammate wasn't going to try and pass him and then when they pulled him in towards the end of the race for a second stop to to go into a second set of intermediates. I mean, he just dropped like a stone. I think he ended up finishing P9, which was an incredibly, um, you know, har- you know, a harsh result. I think for, you know, obviously he, you know, he, he comes in for a little bit of criticism as Lance at times, but he, you know, he did the job over the weekend. So he was a little bit lucky to, to come in P9 there. Uh, but Hamilton, I mean, he took his intermediate tyres and just, just turned them into into slicks. It was um, incredible, really, and. Uh, yeah, you know, you look at the tyres at the end of the race, and there were, I mean, if, if you uh, if you were stopped by highway patrol, you'd get a ticket for driving with bald tyres there. It was it was incredible. But you know, these intermediate tyres that probably have produced could do that. You know, it's, it's not the first time we've seen them uh, wear down so much that they actually become a full slick and they actually gain speed. It's, it's an incredible phenomenon with those. And Hamilton did a, you know, a fantastic job of. Um, you know, maintaining his performance and maintaining his grip, and and really, you you never want to say he won a race he didn't deserve. Um, but in this case, he genuinely did. You know, he he was nowhere for the vast majority, and then he he really turned it on and and, and did what he did best. And you know, quite a fitting uh, way to to tie Michael Schumacher's record of seven world championships and to take that crown. Um, yeah, it, phenomenal drive by by Lewis there. But it's good to be back in Turkey. Um, looking at the uh, provisional calendar for next season, I think there's still one slot available um, yep, as Vietnam. Vietnam. Yeah, they, they again. It's a shame. It's, it turns out that the guy that was promoting for Vietnam had um, had his fingers in a lot of pies, as it were, and uh, you know was a little bit corrupt. Shock horror um, for a, for a, a race a motor race promoted to be corrupt. Um, and so that's sort of 
skip to that. Now they say, oh, we'll be back for 2022. Uh, I, I don't know. I hope there would be because, you know, on the track maps and the simulations, it looks like a phenomenal circuit. You know, Baku on steroids sort of thing. But um, so there could be a slot for, for one of these classic tracks to jump back in. And uh, Liberty uh, have, have said that, you know, they want to try and get to a 23 or 24 race schedule for 2022 with, you know, maybe 15 core races and maybe half a dozen rotating races. So, you know, a, you know you'd go to maybe a Monza, you know, not sorry, Monza, Imola, you know, maybe once every two or three years to keep those sort of classic tracks because that has been, you know, the highlight for me anyway, the highlight of, of 2020 in Formula One, going to some of these older tracks that we haven't been to before, and going to some of these new tracks that we, um, you know, for the first time, it's been fantastic to see, and and, and you know, hopefully they'll keep uh, keep up with that. Um, yeah, I think the the neat thing about that concept of the the rotating race that might only come, you know, every three or four years. Uh, when you when you consider that hopefully within the near future we'll be able to allow a full complement of fans at a racetrack again, yes. uh, but this you know when you get in those Formula One core markets with that are just saturated with Formula One fans like uh, Monza, you know if you have an event that comes yeah. around so every three years you create an event like um, atmosphere almost like the Olympics uh, where it's just going to be people are going to be crazy excited about it. I think it's I think it's pretty exciting. Uh, you know, sure. kind, of, kind of deal there. Now, of course, you know, in racing, we talk about date equity a lot, but uh, I yeah. think in Formula One, the situation is a little different than, than what we're talking about, you know, American racing and, and having the, uh, the the yearly events at the same place. Yeah. I think Formula One could pull this off. Yeah, I mean, the, the big problem for Formula One and why you see a lot of circuits, like, for example, Turkey, I mean, Malaysia, it'd be great to go back to Malaysia. That was a phenomenal circuit. Uh, you know, the problem with a lot of these places isn't that they don't make money off the event. It's just that it costs so much to host them. You know, the fees that Formula One charge to host, you know, a race is, is phenomenal. So if they can do like, OK, well, here's a 10 year contract, but that's only five races. They're far more likely to agree to a contract on that structure and that scale than they would be to say, OK, well, you need to commit to. 10 solid years or five solid years, which really puts a huge stress and strain on the infrastructure of, of, of these, um, you know, facilities. And a lot of time, a lot of these tracks as well are owned by the government. So, you know, p- there's a lot of political, um, you know, balance to be played there. You know, if you're up for a re-election, do you want to be pumping $100 million into a Formula One race when you've got hospitals and schools that are falling down? So it, it's, a, it's a balance. It's a balance, uh, and we have for sure. Confirmed and we have confirmed Saudi Arabia for next year. Uh, I think there's going to be two. Uh, I think 2021 and 2022 will be a street circuit um, in, uh, is it Jeddah, I think, off the top of my head? That sounds Jeddah. right. Yeah, that rings a bell. Yeah, 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 yeah. I need to brush up on my uh, Middle East geography there. Um, but then after that, there's going to be a purpose-built uh, circuit. In a, It's almost looked like it's in a in a a canyon somewhere. I mean, it's an amazing looking place. Um, similar to what you have in uh, Abu Dhabi, it's going to be a, a motorplex sort of thing, I think is the buzzword for it, isn't it? So it's going to have, you know, a track and it's going to have a theme park and it's going to have hotels and it's going to have, you know, an event complex. So even when there's not a race on, there's stuff going on there. But no, this place looks like it's in, it's in almost in a valley with cliffs all around and there'll be spectators on 
you know, Saturn grandstands on top of these cliffs. It looks phenomenal. It really does. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see, that's for sure. So we're off to Bahrain next. We've got the next two races are Bahrain, you know, yep. one, one on the regular circuit, one on the modified version of the circuit, or, or they, they're calling it the oval, Absolutely. although it's far or from or an oval. Or a glorified Caesar's Palace parking lot. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Out, so, um, out the track, yeah. So we've Which, got that, those two races, and then I believe then Abu Dhabi is... Correct, yeah. So is, three races well, left. Um, and then there's also probably, you know, the, the highlight of the year in some ways is the young driver test post Abu Dhabi when, you know, you start to see some of the guys move, uh, move around, and, uh, you know, some of them will be going to new teams. So you may, may see... Um, you know, depending on contracts, Carlos Sainz in the Ferrari, um, and uh, you know Danny Ricciardo in the McLaren, and maybe Seb in a, the Racing Point. You know, it's all contractual, but uh, yeah, yeah, sometimes Alonso and the soon-to-be Alpine. Yes, yeah, which yeah. he's already been testing, but of course, I'd imagine he'd be in that one as well. Yeah, now it depends how they want to run it because I have heard there's, there's been some discussion on that. If it's a if it's an official young driver test, he may not be allowed to do it. But if it's oh, okay. a uh, sure. tire test, a Pirelli tire test, then he 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 may be allowed to do it. I don't know how it's quite going to work, but uh, yeah, hard to you know, call Alonso a young driver. Yeah. yeah, he was young 20 years ago, but 2020, no. Yeah. No, no. Yeah, he's had his chance at that one. Yeah, so, uh, so Formula One few races to go yet. Now, before we get into our season-ending wrap-up and our, you know, looking back on our bowl predictions from last year, there are a few articles of news that have come out in the last few weeks. Uh, one of those is that the, um, it will be uh, Tony Kanaan who will be running those uh, oval races alongside um, – uh, sharing the seat time with Jimmy Johnson in the Chip Ganassi car. And this is, uh, had been rumored for a little while, uh, but, uh, you know, getting Tony in there as a part of the team, even though there's only three oval races on the schedule, um, you know, I think that not only, um, you know, helps Tony out, gives him that farewell tour he wants, but it also gets another guy in there who's there, you know, week in, week out, maybe even to help as a, a bit of a mentor to, to Jimmy Johnson, you know, not that Jimmy needs a mentor. You know, I mean, they've already got, <laughs> you know, they've already got, uh, you know, Frank Heaty in there as, as, the, as the driver's coach, you know, but they're, uh, they've got young Alex Palou in there, um, you know, and of course, you know, Dixon's in there. So, uh, but it, it's another very experienced guy within, you know, and under the employment of that team. So I think that's a, uh, that's a good thing. You know, some folks are, uh, you know, saying, well, you know, Tony's best years are behind him and blah, 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 and, you know, but whatever. I mean, Tony's a fan favorite. He's still, uh, you know, I think he's still got the fire. He's still got the drive. You know, it, it's hard to, uh, you know, kind of say that he's he's lost a step when he spent his last three seasons in a Foyt car where he really wasn't able to perform. So, um, Louise, what are your thoughts on this uh, hiring of um, Tony Kanaan for those oval races? I think it's a good way to- to keep the 48 competitive, competitive at all times. And also, I think the race, of course, Johnson is only focusing on the road and street course. Who knows? Maybe. There's a slim, there's a slim chance that hopefully I'd, like, I'd love to see is maybe Tony coaxing to Johnson to doing the Indianapolis 500. I know in the past he's said he's not interested for the safety of himself and the family and all of that. But having Tony and Ganassi, I think it would be a much proper, good, positive send-off compared to when he was driving the past couple of years for Foy, where he had a good run or two, but for the most part, rather underwhelming as it can get for a guy that has been one of the more better oval slash IndyCar races 
With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We've had in, in the past nearly 20 years for any... So, having it there... Having an experience in a winning, multi-time winning oval racer that's won the Indianapolis 500 to be with Ganassi again, I think is not a bad, not a bad side. It's, it's also kind of like you have your mixer balance. You got former champions, you got rising stars, on and your team. So it's a good neutralizer. And I know, I'd imagine Tony would want to end his career on a positive note. And this is probably as positive it can, it can get. Now it's time to see if Tony has not lost a step in a competitive car pending. On of course, how that car is because that 48 is a it's a flat, newly fleshed car compared to the other ones that has had at least multiple years of experience already. Or in the case of Marcus Erickson, just a one year and he did all right. He did okay, yeah, yeah, it wasn't bad. I mean, you know, historically the you know the Ganassi performance has watered down the more cars they have, and they haven't had four cars uh, in a couple of years. Because um, they they used to run for, um, what Sage Karen was around. Yeah, you had Sage, you had Charlie Kimball, um, but uh, you know, and uh, I want to say um, Ryan Briscoe was in a fourth Ganassi car for a little while as well. But the it just seemed like you know it started at the top with you know Dario and Dixon, and the the results were watered down all the way down to the fourth car. But uh, you know, who's to say that uh, we can't have multiple successes in the Chip Ganassi team again? You know, a la Penske. So. With that being said, Seth, there's a couple of uh, uh, movements in the truck series, some uh, announcements to uh, talk about. Yes, there are. Uh, Ryan Truex is going to run full-time for Nice Motorsports uh, in the number 40 truck. Uh, Rafael Lassard has joined GMS Racing for at least 12 races, although they are working on funding for a full season. And... Believe uh, Chase Purdy also has joined GMS Racing, and John Hunter Nemechek has jumped down from the Cup Series to replace Lazard at Kyle Busch Motorsports. All right, so a lot more guys getting their 2021 plans in line, you know, yep. which, which is good to see. We'll have a lot of uh, a lot of seats full in the Truck Series there. So, yeah. In addition to those Truck Series, Spencer Boyd will stay with Young's Motorsports, and Mike Hillman Jr., who was Lassard's crew chief last year, will go to DGR Cross to call the shots for rookie Haley Deacon. Right, and do we say something about a new Cup team on the horizon as well? Technically, yes. Uh, they're a Live Fast Motorsports, which is BJ McLeod and 
uh, Matt Tift are co-owning a cup car. Uh, BJ McLeod already had some cup cars in his stable, so it's a, I would say it's him going from part-time to full-time. And they're essentially taking the place of uh, Go Fast Racing in the Ford Alliance system. They're going to be aligned with Stuart Haas Racing. BJ McLeod will be the driver. And uh, as far as I know for McLeod's Xfinity program, that might mean a shift to only Fords, which if that's the case, uh, that would bolster the uh, Xfinity program for Ford performance from two cars up to five. Well, there you go. Now, these guys, they have a charter? Yes. Uh, Joe Falk, who uh, worked with Go Fast Racing, taking his charter from the 32 to the 78 at Live Fast Motorsports. Uh, Archie St. Hilaire's charter uh, is still on loan to the Wood Brothers. Well, there you go. Now, speaking of the Wood Brothers, let's, let's get into our uh, bold predictions from uh, – that we made at the end of 2019. And, of course, I, I think that uh, nobody could have predicted a lot of what's transpired in 2020. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, if, if, if we'd have predicted, oh, the Indianapolis will 500 will play to an empty house, um, we'd have been in laughed <laughs> in August. Yeah. So, but uh, let's go through and look at our, our um, bold picks. And Seth, I'll start with you because you mentioned the Wood Brothers and your bold prediction was that you felt that Matt DiBenedetto would win that 100th win for the Wood Brothers. It would likely happen at the Brickyard. And then you made a second bold prediction that um, at the Indianapolis 500, one of the Team Pesky cars would be bumped out. Now, um, you, you weren't highly far off on either one because, number one, there was nobody bumped at Indianapolis, uh, but the Penske cars were – you know, largely out of the um, out of the spotlight at the 500. The, the race was dominated mostly by Scott Dixon until uh, Takuma Sato took the point late in the going and uh, was able to win the thing. Um, and Benedetto didn't have a horrible season, but he actually finds himself in a make-or-break situation for 2021 with uh, Austin Sindrick lined up to uh, take his seat in 2022. So, Seth, let's talk about Benedetto. And um, what you feel like his 2021 make-or-break season could lead to in the future for him? Well, I'm actually looking back at that uh, Brickyard 400 out of curiosity to see where he uh, he finished. He ended up finishing 19th. However, in both stages, he was inside the top 10. He was actually running fourth in the second stage. And he was running seventh uh, on the final lap until – he and Austin Dillon uh, got together, and they both wrecked in turn three. So he would have actually finished in the top ten, so I still wouldn't have been too far off on that prediction. Uh, as far as 2021 is concerned, DiBendetto this season has had a career season for him. Uh, so I wouldn't be surprised to see more the same next year. It, they still have the Team Penske alliance. Uh, Austin Cindric, yes, is going to run part time in, well, whether it's a fourth Penske car or on loan to another team or even a second Wood Brothers car, I don't know. But Dibendo knows he is in uh, the final season of his Wood Brothers contract as of right now, unless something 
dramatic changes. Um, so he already knows that he can start looking for 2022. And I think that might give him at least a boat of confidence that and some momentum that uh, he actually knows to a certain degree what his plans will be for 2022. Right, but he's going to have to perform. Yeah. You know, the better he performs in 2021, the better case he can make for, hey, hire me in 2022. Would, you know, I, I just he, really feel like this is a a fine moment for him to uh, give it everything he's got to well, show, showcase his skills the best he can. Well, one of the places I expect, at least in 2021, for him to do better is the fact that there's six road courses, and he's usually pretty good on the road courses. Uh, so I, I'm not saying he would win, say, especially with Chase Elliott, Martin Truex Jr. and Chase Briscoe on track right now. But um, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him up there contending more often. Right, right. So then your other prediction that a Penske car would get bumped. Now that was bold. That was bold, it but was of course, bold. We, it was bold, but, 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 you know, to your point, the Pesky cars were not as spot on at Indianapolis as they, you know, as they have been, like, you know, they, they won in 18 and 19, uh, quite handily between Will Power and Simon Pagano, so, and the Pesky cars were, uh, you know, they were on and on, they're hot and cold this year, they, they had a, a tough time getting the season going, now New Garden was pretty solid all year, but he, he, just lost too much ground to Dixon at the early part of the season. Um, now next year Penske is expanding to four cars, and it's been a number. It's been a few years since they've since they've had four cars. They've got uh, Scott Scott McLaughlin uh, joining the fold there. So, um, what, do, what do you feel about uh, Team Penske for 2021? Well, you know, back, back to their winning ways, or or is uh, or Dixon looking at number seven? Well. First, uh, touching on the bold prediction part, honestly, believe there was at least been uh, bumping had not been uh, for COVID nineteen because uh, there were a few teams that either pulled out or uh, shuttered completely, whether it's IndyCar, NASCAR, uh, or other series, especially ARCA this year. But uh, outside of that, looking forward to next year. I don't know. Team Penske, outside Joseph Newgarden, uh, at least this year, and Newgarden and Pagano the year before, uh, I've almost felt like, at least on the IndyCar side, they've been on somewhat of a downward trend the past couple of years. I, I don't, unless somebody else can challenge Dixon, I think we might be looking at number seven for Dixon. All right, you heard it there from Seth. Number seven for Dixon. <laughs> <laughs> so now, Richard, when I asked you to make a bold prediction at the end of the year last year, you you came at me with like four or five different ones. Um, you said first and foremost that uh, Ferrari would have a, an excellent car and Leclerc would win the championship. And then you went on to say oh, that uh, in that in the wake of Leclerc winning the championship, Vettel would leave the team. Uh, you also I said, uh, right. you said, uh, <laughs> you have that half right. <laughs> you said Lando Norris would uh, be uh, a rising star. He would uh, push his way into the, the top three. Uh, you said that Tyler Reddick would be better than Austin Dillon. 
And you no, said it wasn't that. The start of the season. It wasn't the start. It wasn't the start. Then you said a Pat Award yeah. would win a race uh, in the IndyCar series for McLaren. And you weren't too far off of that because Award had a fine oh. season, podiumed a couple times, but he didn't win. So now, but your first one that Ferrari would have an excellent car. You were a little yeah. off base there, yeah. weren't you? Just a little bit, yeah. Wow. I can't believe I said that. Yeesh. Yeesh. Yeah. yeah. So Finn, Ferrari's looking at, oh, and a, a whole another year of, uh, yeah. Of, a, of a crappy car because, uh, you know, with the, the rules pushed to uh, 2022, there's not going to be a whole lot of development on a 2021 car. So, um, but but how do you, do you do you see Ferrari improving at all, even slightly, or do you see them slipping slipping either even further back as we see teams like AlphaTauri and Racing Point improve? I mean, I haven't looked deltas between you know the start of the season and where we are now, but I think. Leclerc certainly has put in some pretty damn good performances over the last, you know, half dozen races that have, have probably put that car maybe where it doesn't deserve to be. Um, you know, uh, I think Imola, he had a good, strong qualifying performance and, uh, you know, he had he, he should have podiumed at, um, uh, uh, at Turkey, but then, you know, so, you know, Seb's got his podium there, which was good. Uh, you know, if they if they if they do well at developing what they can develop on this token structure between now and 2021, uh, they may get to become the third best car. I, I certainly can't see them matching Mercedes or Red Bull on the development race. Um, so yeah, we'll see. I think it's pretty limited right now. Now, and as far as uh, Vettel leaving the team, um, you were right with that one. Although he left the team. <laughs> where the decision was made to release him quite early on in the season, you know, as as yeah. as, as as far as contract negotiations started, usually go, really, yeah, yeah. It, it was, uh, yeah. So, um, so Vettel moving on to Racing Point. Um, what do you think the fortunes are there? Because Racing Point, you know, hmm. they, they've got their first pole. They've they've performed yeah. well here and there. You know, they've had a little controversy with did they copy the Mercedes or not, but. Uh, I, I think they've they got the uh, boundary. I think they, they, they pushed, pushed the boundary, the boundary yep. on the integrity of the sport. I think more than anything. I I don't know. I'm I'm curious as to what will happen with Aston Martin Racing Point, whatever they're going to be called. Um, apparently, the livery is going to be green and pink. And, and and the last time I saw something green and pink, it was due to me drinking too much. But um, you know. It just sounds hideous. It really does sound hideous. A green and pink livery. They, the um, marketing people have got to pull one out of the out of the hat to get that one right. But yeah, I, I don't know. I really don't know. It all seems very contrived, doesn't it? That team, you know, all around Lance. And I think if Lance wasn't there, I'd be a little bit more optimistic about it. You know, in, in the truth be told, but I just think. What is Lawrence Stroll doing here? Is he trying to build a team for his son, or is he trying to actually build a, you know, championship-winning Formula One team? Uh, if he's trying to do the championship-winning Formula One team, first move's good, bringing in uh, Vettel to get that experience. The second part of keeping his son in there is not such a good move because I just, I, I really don't see. I mean, Lance, don't get me wrong, he, he's a, a competent driver, but he's certainly no. He's certainly not a driver that you would want there if you are to be 
challenging for championships or wanting to challenge for championships, should we say. So it'll be interesting to see how they progress and how they develop uh, over the next few years. And, you know, at some point, I think if they want to be realistically successful, I think what you will I fully expect Lance Stroll to be shown up next year by Vettel. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, to your point, yeah, Lance has had some flashes of brilliance. He's had some great drives, but he's not, you have to to ask yourself. Pastor Maldonado's won a race, for God's sake, you know. Okay, and so did Pierre Gasly, but uh, (laughs) Gasly earned that one. Yeah, Gasly's got a little bit more about him, yeah. Yeah, but but you have to ask yourself, would Lance Stroll even be in Formula 1 if it weren't for daddy's money? And the answer is no. He, he probably, probably wouldn't. If he probably wouldn't be there on his own. And 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 do you fire your own son? You know, it's the Marco Andretti dilemma. You know, so yeah. Except you know, or the Marco showed quick flashes of brilliance and actually won. But that's by, that's the that's, that's besides yeah. the point. Yeah, but you're only I mean, yeah, you're yeah, only yeah. as good as your last race if you're unless your daddy owns the team. Yeah, sure. You see what I'm saying? So yeah. All right. So, so that, um, that, your other. Your other ones here, uh, Tyler Reddick and Austin Dillon. Um, what do you feel about uh, Reddick's season? I, I I feel it was acceptable. Well, the, the, I, I don't think he was yeah, horrible. I mean, the turning point, the, the turning point for, for Reddick was, uh, I think it was Texas where Austin actually won, wasn't it? Because you know Reddick was running second in that race, and he, throughout the race was actually quicker than Austin. And then on, on that um, late uh, you know, caution where they shuffled, shuffled them to to the front, you know, basically. Reddick was told not to pass Austin, you know, for all intents and purposes, on the radio. And and since that point, you know, and Austin got the win, um, you know, the team naturally, you know, with the playoffs, had been focusing purely on, on the performance of the three car there. So, uh, you know, I, I, I think that actually damaged Reddick's performance towards the end of the season. But for those early races, I mean, I think there's like the first seven or eight races, I think he outscored Austin in at least two thirds of them or three quarters of them. So I, I think he's a, he's one to watch in the future. You know, obviously we look at a lot of the other, you know, rookies and young drivers off, you know, I'm not calling Chase Elliott a rookie anymore, but he's certainly that new generation of winning the championship and other guys coming through Cole Custer and, 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 and guys like that, um, you know, and there's a huge, but you know, huge wells, but, but Reddick's one of those guys, as he did with his two Xfinity championships, he just goes into the radar Gets the job done, nothing fancy, you know, and and I think I, I I think he's a star of the future. I really really do. It may take him a few years to get up to the front, but I think when he gets there, yeah, that kid's going to be good. So um, I think he has to say, I I think on raw pace when the team was evenly matched, I think he did have the beating of Austin. Yes, and speaking of stars of the future, one of your other predictions was that Pato Award would win a race. Which he did not, although admittedly he had a fine season. And as we look forward to next year, he'll be uh, retaining his seat with Aaron McLaren. He's picking up Felix Rosenquist as a teammate. And Rosenquist is um, a consummate professional. I mean, this guy has been good in everything he's done. You know, And Felix won a race this year for Ganassi. Uh, so I think um, that can only serve to help award out because his teammate this year was another it was uh, Oliver Askew, who was a rookie, you know, which, you know, mind you, the, the two guys can share data and whatnot, but they don't have the years and years of experience. And, you know, mind you, Felix doesn't have 
tons of years of experience in IndyCar, but he's got a couple years under his belt. But he's got many years of, of top-level racing under his belt. So I feel like um, a ward can really bring it uh, this year, but, but he's going to have to beat his own teammate first. So uh, what do you think, Richard? Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I think that's a great – it's a good move by the McLaren team. Um, Peter's an arrow McLaren here. McLaren, basically. Um, you know, what I've been impressed with is McLaren haven't gone out and done the, the old, you know, let's sign up, you know, sign Dixon and power to the team, you know, throw stupid amounts of money at this. They're, they're doing it the right way. They're learning. They're progressing. They're, you know, they're checking all the boxes as they go. And I think they're doing it the right way. And, and yeah, it may be two or three years before they can challenge the likes of Ganassi, Andretti, um, Penske in terms of performance. But, you know, you're starting to see flashes of it. And, and I'm really pleased that they're doing it the right way. And I think that's a smart hire for getting Rosenquist in there. You know, he, he's not a you know an A-list driver within IndyCar series by any stretch of imagination, but he, he knows what he's doing. He knows how to get the job done. He, you know, he can be the team leader for want of a better word. And I think for him as well, it's a good move for him, you know, getting out of his previous drive where he was in, you know, in some far more uh, high level drivers shadow. Uh, You know, now he's a, he's a bigger fish in a smaller pond, should we say. And, you know, so we may see a different side of him and an opportunity for him to grow and, um, you know, lead that team. And and obviously, you know, with with a ward there, he's got something that's going to keep him on his toes. So I, I, as I, I think the bigger picture of, you know, not just looking at a ward, but looking at the whole McLaren uh, setup is how they're going about this in a very smart, methodical, logical uh, way. You know, they're not trying to, you know, go in all guns blazing and, and, and throw cash at this. Yeah, I'm I'm personally very excited to see, uh, you know, what McLaren brings to the table next year, because I think this could be where we go from the big three to, to having a yeah. big, a big four. Uh, and I think, I think that, well, yeah, I might not see it next year, but, but they're three, right. Three, they're three, right three, there. Four. They have all the elements. They have all the elements to yeah. be a championship contending team, I, I believe. And, you know, that largest element, of course, being budget. Yeah. So, all right. Now, got, you know, two <laughs> big sponsors, you know, they've got big sponsors in there and people that appear to be committed to the series. So that's, that's, that's half your battle, isn't it? In IndyCar. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. Now, uh, Louise, you uh, weren't with us on the, the show last week, but uh, our old friend Gray Warren was. Huh? Last year, I wasn't. Last year? No. Pardon me. I mean, 2020 has yeah, been I so know. long, I can't, none of us can. Uh, the quarantine yeah. periods have uh, messed us all up. <laughs> Understandably, yeah. I've made mistakes before, so. Okay. So, but anyway, our our friend Gray Warren uh, was on the show with us. And Gray, who'd been on drafting the circuit since the beginning of the show, uh, Gray's not been on with us this year because he is he is um, undergoing cancer treatments, and and by all accounts, he's uh, he's doing well. But Gray, if you're listening, we are thinking about you, buddy, and we miss you. And, um, you know, we hope to have you back on the show again soon once you're feeling up to it. But, uh, Gray, I think about you every day. I really do. Now, Gray's bold prediction was not that bold. Okay. His, his prediction would be was that Kyle Busch would win at least eight races and repeat as cup champion. Now, at the end of last year, that really wasn't that bold of a prediction, but... 
but boy, was he off base if you think about it. So, yeah. uh, Louise, you get to speak to Gray's prediction because, uh, uh, you know, we talked about it all year long. What happened to Kyle Bush? You know, he, oh, he, he nearly went, nearly went winless this season, but he, he did manage to pull one out at the end. But let's let's talk about Kyle Bush for a moment. Yeah, Kyle Bush had a real, real underwhelming season, and it kind of went downhill. Honestly, when and when he got taken out in that wreck in the bush clash, that should have been the symbolist. That was the symbolism. Literally, we knew that would be the symbolism. My, that was the symbolism of what the season he, that transpired. It, and I, in his side, it didn't help that the pandemic happened because there's few that flourish and don't mind just having hit to the racetrack on race day, and that's all he has to worry about. Kyle Busch is a guy that thrives on running multiple races, multiple sessions to get the most out of his car or look what he needs to do to improve it. And with the pandemic, it negatively impacted him big time, if anything else. Sure, he got that one win at Texas, which keeps his streak going. Now he's chasing, if I recall, David Pearson, Richard Petty for the record for most consecutive seasons with at least one win. He's about two away from Petty. And could equal Pearson next year, but he just was not competitive. Honestly, besides Danny Hamlin, Joe Gibbs Racing were not that good this year. Truex, he only had one win, and that was at Martinsville in April or May. I, I don't even know. That's definitely not April, excuse me. Yeah, the, ca- the calendar is so, uh, <laughs> so jacked up this year. <laughs> yeah, the, fir- the first Martin, the midweek Martinsville race, how about that? It's just, he, he got into a lot of wrecks. He made several mistakes throughout the year. And things just did not click better. And naturally, of course, if Kyle has a bad season, what happens? He gets a new crew chief. And for the first time since 2015, he'll have, since 2014, he'll not have Adam Stevens as a crew chief. Instead, he's going to have someone else because Adam Stevens is going to be calling the shots for Christopher Bell. So we'll see how that goes with, with a different crew chief because that continues the ball that started at the end of last season of long-term driver crew chief combos being split up or moving somewhere else. But, yeah. He had a real disappointing season. The Joe Gibbs, aside from Danny Hamlin, until the tail end, they just were not that competitive. Hamlin, and I'll say this too, Hamlin was not competitive at the very end. He lost some of his momentum, and it showed down the stretch to what Danny said in a press conference months ago. Stats can be deceiving. Like, results could be so deceiving that sometimes they're put in that position, good for them, but overall, the, law, the performance as a whole was not that good. It just happened to be in that spot. So, honestly, hearing eight wins in a championship is not a, too much of a bold prediction, like you said. But the way the season unfolded was just real underwhelming. At the very yes, it was very, it was a very unique situation for sure. Yeah, yeah. So, but real, real quick, Seth, I want to circle back to you because I, I am watching the clock here, and I know you have another commitment. Uh, so, but before before we let you go. Uh, I, I want to get your bold prediction for next year, and then then as we go through, we'll get the rest of our bold prediction. But I don't want to leave you out of the bold prediction because I know you've got uh, another commitment and you need to leave us. So, Seth, bold prediction for 2021. Bubba Wallace and 2311 Racing will get a win and make the playoffs. Get a win and make the playoffs. Very good. That's bold. That's bold for uh, – a new team to win in their first season, but I mean, I, I know, I know you're a big backer of Bubba Wallace. You followed his career very closely, and we, and we know this guy can drive. So, uh, you know, with uh, with Denny Hamlin and Michael Jordan money, 
I really hope that comes true. So, all right, so that's Seth's bold prediction. Bubba Wallace wins the race with uh, Michael Jordan. Or what do they call it, 2311 Racing? 2311 Racing. 2311 Racing, yep. And we'll – well, yeah, we'll keep close eye on that team next year because that, that is one of the more exciting uh, things about next year to have uh, Michael Jordan's involvement in there because he, you know, he uh, he represents such he's such a huge icon of of uh, not just basketball but all of sports and to have him involved uh, in NASCAR in such a uh, hands-on way is really exciting. All right, so. Seth, if you got to go, yep. happy Thanksgiving uh, to you. Yes, thanks happy holidays. I look forward to being back on sometime next year. We look forward to talking to you next year. Well, I'm, we'll talk during the off season, but yeah. look forward to talking to you on the air next year. So take care, Seth. Take care. All right. Now, yep. uh, Louise, back to you. Now, you uh, you were going over Gray's bowl prediction. Then I appreciate that with uh, being in, you know, with Gray being absent. Um, anything? You have any thoughts on uh, either Seth's or uh, Richard's predictions from uh, from last year, or yeah, just any other topic a, you want to chime in on? Because we'll, we'll get to my bold prediction in a moment. Yeah, I got a few responses about it. Like the first one being Team Penske. I was if if it wasn't for Joseph Newgarden, who obviously was the more consistent of the whole Penske, but it's like Joseph Newgarden were right in the cusp in the top ten throughout the month of August, throughout the two weeks, and then everybody else was floundering, like pageant, a complete afterthought. Will Power strategy got him in a good spot at one point, but ultimately it didn't pan out. So it, it hearing that is like, yeah, he was not that far off, but obviously the pandemic can eliminate any shot of bumping because. I don't know if it would have happened, but I it would it, they would have been one of those fighting, scratching, calling to survive to make the the field, and the Formula One one with Leclerc and Ferrari, ugh, that's painful. It is <laughs> literal. The thing there's a phrase called pain. That is the definition of pain. And 2020 was pain for Ferrari, and I fear 21 may be a little bit more of that until we get to the new car and regulations and the costs. And the, but remember, does that budget cap coming up soon? So those are my main takeaways. And as far as earlier, I want as far as Lewis Hamilton winning his seventh world championship in that win, easily top five legendary all-time performance for him because no one Hamilton struggled horrendous, uh, not horrendously, but by his standards, it is horrendously a struggle where he's saying the track is not as quality as the worst he's ever ran, and people, as always, was like, oh, that means he's not going to win. Oh, it's going to be must watch. And then Hamilton, as always, it seems like every time he says something negative, very concerning, and <laughs> he finds a way. And that's been the theme of this year more than ever. He's like, he says something, people get, they anticipate, but then in reality, Hamilton just finds a way to get, to do better than most. And it's almost like a reality TV show, isn't it? You know, it's almost, <laughs> I know it's not, but it's almost like, you know, oh my goodness me, it's terrible, it's terrible. Oh, look how good I am because I managed to overcome all these problems. Yeah, even um, if it's not Mother Nature, it's Lewis Hamilton just putting people in tremendous suspense. But that was definitely yeah. a, a, an icon, not just because he won the seventh championship that happened to be. It's just the way he was able to get it done, the strategy, and just how ultimately he just pulled away from the racing point, guys. It shows you why that's one of the more underrated things about Lewis's career. Driving yeah. he finds a way to get it done. 
like when people. I was glad that he he won his he won you know that seventh championship in the way that he did in that race because you know it wasn't a race where he qualifies on pole by two tenths of a second from Valtteri and a second from Max and then just you know they managed the race over sixty laps or whatever which could be like watching paint dry you know it was a good exciting race and it did really highlight another dimension of his driving and uh, I thought it was a fantastic. Uh, uh, you know, thing to see. It really did, uh, you know, cap it off really nicely. Yeah, and that's what legend legends like him are are no, are made of. Like he proved himself yeah. why he's an an all time great. And oh and, yeah, and it shows now that he could be. I I think he might be one the first could be the first Formula One driver that is active and knighted. Wouldn't that be something? It could well be. There's been talk of that, hasn't there? I think the uh, there's a certain amount of uh, taxation issues which may need to be resolved before that happens. <laughs> yeah, but, but wouldn't uh, be something a, an actor driver. For his work away from racing, you know what I'm trying to say. Philanthropic. Yeah, I think that's the word, isn't it? Yeah, uh, you know, for what he does, and it's certainly this year, how he's high, you know, the, the, the work he's done away from the track has certainly been, um, you know, uniting, you know, with the sport and with the, you know, um, you know, everything we see going on around us every day. So it's, it's good to see, and hopefully he get, does get rewarded for that. Yeah, for sure. And real quick on the other ones, the Vendetto, I he had a good season. He had a good season, but he was just. In my eye, he wasn't all the way there like I kind of expected. I wasn't really expecting much. He, he he made the playoffs, which I did expect him. It wasn't surprising, but a win and be competitive. He just didn't quite have it. We'll see what happens in 2021, knowing that i got to have a good season to keep himself marketable for 2022. And as far as Pato, it doesn't honestly surprise me that he had a grimace. He finished, what, fourth in the championship trail? He was basically best of the rest aside from Colton Hurta, so that – is that is a huge statement for him because that guy could be could could might as well be Mexico's top racer right now yeah. or in the future because who knows where Paris will go right now and he and the as who knows what will happen I'll get more into it when I mention about the bowl prediction shortly. All right, so let's get into my bowl prediction from the end of the year last year, if you recall. Uh, you know, 2020 was uh, the, the year of the, the arrow screen, and everyone was complaining about the aesthetics of it, and then some of the uh, criticisms of it were, well, what happens when the car flips upside down and bursts into flames and the driver burns to death because they can't get him out because of the screen? And um, my prediction was that the arrow screen would be put to the ultimate test and it would save somebody's life uh, over the course of the season. Now... We we had some guys that had some some really strong impacts. Um, you know, ask you at Indianapolis, uh, Spencer Piggott. Um, there was there was somebody who cracked the ball hard at Iowa. I, I, I'm trying to remember who that was. Herda and VK, and also Willpower dodged the tire. Right, right, yes. Yeah. So there were a few instances, but can you you know can you definitively say that the arrow screen saved that driver's life? Um, not really, but it didn't hurt. You know what I mean? Exactly. And we didn't we didn't see any situations with an upside down car bursting into flames um, to see how easy it would be to get a guy out. Um, but but at the end of the day, I think that uh, as the season wore on, um, talk about the aero screen just kind of uh, you know 
faded into the background. Once you once you you know watch the cars enough, you almost don't notice it anymore. It's like the Halo. The Halo in Formula One was the ugliest thing people had seen, and then, but now you don't even notice it. Now you don't even notice it. Now, yeah, mind you, there's still. You know, I, I still I miss being able to to see the driver's hands and, and see the the, yeah. the driver's head move around, but but I, 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 like but I much rather him. see yeah I much rather see that driver you know alive to see another day yeah. and be protected. Yeah. So uh, and I, 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 the only the only change I'd like to see, and in IndyCar it's not as much as an issue in Formula One, but I, I would like to see, especially in Formula One, you know, the the aero screen sort of match the driver's helmet livery so you you know you can tell who's who from a distance uh you know in indycar obviously it's not too much of an issue because even if it's within the same stable of a team owner they can have different liveries uh but uh, you know in in formula one if you had you know uh, hamilton with a you know his purple halo and valtteri with that sort of finished blue halo you know i think it would just give it a little bit of something extra and make it a little bit more distinguishable yeah because the the numbers on formula one cars are Painfully small, and sometimes even hard. You can't put a number on a Formula yeah. One car, and also make it too big because lo- you lose advertising. Exa- exactly. Yeah. So, so yeah, but I, I agree that you don't know about the T post colors being one at the indicate number one or number two driver as well. Yeah, but it's so hard. To, and then which yeah. one's number one and which one's number two? You know, oh, uh, that uh, you know. But yeah. you work that Some out. people may not know what the yellow or red means on the T post. Yeah. No, I think a lot of people don't know that, but but to Richard's point, yeah, if you the, that Halo, if you just used bright colors on that that match the, you know, either the driver's nationality or their helmet colors, I think that's a great idea. You know, it, it would yeah. then, then you would know who's who because you know Formula One with the matching liveries, it is really hard to tell, especially if you're at the track and they're at speed. You know, it's yeah. it, it used to be used to be able to. Uh, you know, watch Formula One. You know, especially in the in the eighties and nineties, where the drivers sat up fairly high in the cockpit, and their whole helmet was yeah, exposed. Like there. You could, chair, they? Yeah, you could you, know, you could tell that's uh, you know by the helmet if you do you know, if you knew helmet designs. But um, <clears throat> so anyway, it's not my bold prediction that the air screen would save a life. Um, but uh, again, like I say, still up in the air. But um, you know, we had to, even a little thing about where somebody tried to post on social media that the um, suspension component had pierced Spencer Pickett's car and it turned out to be that no what you're looking at is the uh the post where the mirror connects you know somebody was trying to make something out of nothing so put two and two together and get five you mean right right yeah so I mean you, you gotta you know take everything on social media with a grain of salt uh for sure so uh Whoa. so we, we <laughs> oh good grief good grief yes oh, I know that's, that's my life ruined then yeah, well, just because it's on Facebook doesn't make it true. Yeah, so I mean, where do you get all your facts from? A guy on YouTube, but <laughs> so. yeah, that's that's what some people on NASCAR Twitter picked saw. Which, good lord, this is the when you, sometimes here I'm gonna spend very quickly. If you hear it from somebody that is not fully involved in the business, don't 100 percent buy into it. Take the time to do the research and look up articles that tells you whether or not it's true or not, or listen to the sources that actually knows the source well enough. But what happens if Rick that source racing? Does, what happens if that source doesn't agree with your agenda, though? Uh, then that's their problem, not mine. I'll stick to mine. And exactly. <laughs> exactly right. So anyway, so we're we're getting off yeah. topic here, discussing <laughs> social social media manipulation. But <laughs> but anyway, so let's um. Well, let's uh, look forward to 2021 and make ourselves some bold predictions. Um, 
I mean, again, like I say, a lot of what transpired in 2020, we never would have predicted. Um, but 2021, with any luck, uh, you know, brings a little more normalcy back to the sport. Um, there's exciting changes. And, Richard, what's your bold prediction for 2021? Oh, let's have a thing. Bold prediction for 2021. Um, good grief. It, it's difficult, isn't it? Uh, Chase Elliott to repeat. Uh, not mean because he's had a bad dinner. Uh, to win the championship again. Okay. Uh, is, is that that bold? It's not incredibly uh, bold, yeah. Now, Seth's no. bold prediction that Bubba Wallace would uh, win a race and make the playoffs. Oh. I thought that was a little bolder uh, than yours, but... But it, it is hard to uh, repeat. Okay, Hulkenberg to go to Red Bull. No, no, actually, my bold prediction. Here we go. I'm going to go there. Albon stays at Red Bull and wins a race. There we go. Now that's bold. Yeah. <laughs> I, I feel so bad for who. Well, we'll see. All right, Louise, what you got? I got a couple, a couple quick. On the NASCAR end, I feel like a former Cup champion is going to retire after 2021. They're not going to be taking that new challenge with the new car. Okay. Do you have an idea which one? I think it's going to be a Bush brother that's going to retire. I'm not going to say which one. A Bush brother will call it a cup career in 2021. Okay, that's not really bold because Kurt's already been hinting. That, okay. Uh, well, okay <laughs> I was going to say. But, but okay. So, yeah, here's that's. The, here's the cup. There's, this is the one I was to say. Kyle Larson will win a race, but will get bounced in the first round. Okay. Yes, right. he'll win a race but will not make it far in the playoffs. Win a race and not make it far in the playoffs. Yeah, they'll get bounced in the first round. In the first round. round of 16, they're done. Larson is done. On the Formula One end, I'm going to go with Mick Schumacher will score one point and only one point in 2021. Because Richard kind of brought up Nico Hulkenberg and Red Bull, but that's not really much of a bold one. But for Adi, uh, I, I'm starting to think that Albon's going to stay there. You know, I, uh, I, you know, if you'd asked me two months ago, I think he was out. But there's murmurings, and you know, it's just the way that Red Bull are handling it. I think he's going to stay there. You know. Yeah. So yeah, my bold pick is that Mick Schumacher will only score a single point in 2021, just one point. And as far as IndyCar, I hate to say it, I think Oliver Askew is going to go to Formula E with Andretti Autosport. Oh, yeah, that's that's a, not a bad possibility I there. I He's got a great relationship Askew. with Andretti. They uh, they ran him all through Indy Lights. So. Yeah, no. I just don't see Askew in, the, in IndyCar in 21, so I just see him in Formula E at most. All right, now my bold prediction is that – Tony Kanaan silences all his critics by winning the Indy 500 and then riding off into the sunset with that as a, as a crowning achievement of his career, winning his second Indy 500 and, and you know, leaving the sports uh, at, at, the, at the top of his game, uh, putting the misery of the uh, couple of years of Foyt behind him. Um, 
Pulling a Sam Hanks. <laughs> Pulling a Sam Hanks, sure, yeah. Um, or Ray Haroon. Oh, yeah, that, that too. He called it a career after that as well. Actually, Haroon was retired uh, when they come up with the idea for the Indy 500. They, they, they talked him into coming back. So using a year-old car that had been wrecked, and, uh, you know, the rest is history. But, yeah, I think um, I think this is probably Tony's best shot at the 500 since he was in a Ganassi car last. Um, the dude has always run well at Indy. He's, he's led tons of laps at Indy, and I think that um, he's got a lot of critics. Um, and I think he, honestly, just to uh, uh, to listen to him, he, he, he brushes a lot of that off. But I think that, that he, he does let some of that get to him. And I think that it would give him tremendous satisfaction to silence those critics who say he's he's old and done by um, putting that feather in the in the cap of being a two-time indie winner and riding off into the sunset. So, or to the sports car world, world which is the sunset for uh, retired indie car drivers. So, um, but with that being said, um, we. Uh, Really had a great uh, time doing the show this year. As I look back at this year, I was looking back at all of our old episodes. I remember all of our uh, initial pandemic shows where we had no racing to talk about. We had a we had a show featuring, you know, where we talked about iRacing, where we had a show where we did a, a trivia contest with one another. We had a show where we talked about o- old racing yeah. movies. Yeah. 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 So it was, a, it was a very it was a very different year. It was a very fun year. Um, but, uh, I, I, uh, I enjoyed every bit of it. I, I'm so glad that we finally got back to racing. I'm so glad that we're, f- you know, finally getting some fans back in grandstands, even though they're socially distanced and 25% or whatnot. And I really hope that, uh, you know, by this time next year, when we wrap up 2021, that we're able to talk about, uh, a massive crowd at the Indy 500 and, um, the, you know, big crowds at, uh, races and no, you know, no virus, no COVID concerns. Um, and I think that's what we'd all like to, uh, you know, make for our New Year's resolution that this whole thing goes away and leaves us alone. So with that being said, I want to thank you, Louise and Richard. And I want to thank Seth, uh, for coming on. And I want to thank Gray for being, uh, you know, one of the founders of Drafting the Circuits. And again, Gray, we think about you all the time. I want to thank the Hoobazoo Radio Network, iHeartRadio, Spreaker, and Google Podcast. But most of all, I want to thank you folks that listen to us week in and week out. And we'll catch up with you sometime in early February as Speed Week begins. Uh, Until then, happy holidays. Good night. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 